0: All right. So first thing I need to do is correct something. I think two episodes ago, we were talking about the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. We're still not going into it. Like, i I'm not, not doing this. But I said that in Isaiah, it says that it's about inhospitality. That's actually Ezekiel chapter 16, if I remember. I don't have it in front of me, but I know, like, thanks again to Ryan, one of our listeners who sent us a message that was like, hey, man. Not exactly right. Oh, that's so, awesome. That's cool. Yeah. I
1: didn't see that message, but I'm glad that somebody called bullshit on us. That's what. That's what we want. That's what we need. Wait till. Wait till all the feedback starts coming in off of the last episode. It's gonna be fascinating, and maybe we're gonna have more insights
0: on that the last episode. Being the the demon one. If you're like, what? That's why I kind of consider myself the lead questioner, not so much the. Lead to know it all. <laughs> I love learning w- with everybody and hearing more stuff like, uh, yes, did I know the passage? Yes. Did I get it wrong? Yes. But I definitely want to continue trying to create some higher accuracy. I don't want to be like, beer and Bible, almost right 50% of the time. What is it? 60% of the time works every time? We do I, not mind our feet
1: being held to the fire. That's easy yeah. for me to say, considering you do all the research, but... <laughs> oh,
0: you you just broke into it. Like, there's a whole new chapter and page of beer and Bible that's happening now. Anyways... Hey everybody! Welcome to Beer and Bible. I am Neil. I am the lead questioner, as well as research guy that is also occasionally
1: wrong, occasionally, and the architect. The the architect of it all. And this is <laughs> Chris, the uh, super high functioning alcoholic Bible readerer, official Bible reader, and just a resident idiot. I guess I should say I could add that to my resume. Or now I'm like the low level researcher. I'm like your, I'm like the Igor. The Igor. <laughs> but if feels like two steps below that. My favorite thing is like there's
0: you you being the Igor, me being Frankenstein, and Joey's somewhere in the dungeons.
1: <laughs> he's,
0: old old dungeon Joe. He's digging up the body parts. That actually kind of works. I like that body part idea because he does all the research on the on the scriptures, and then we work with it up here.
1: <laughs> what are you drinking tonight? Uh same shit as always. Same as it ever was. The Voodoo Ranger, Juicy Haze IPA. I actually have the tall boys today, the 19-ouncers. I've got two of them. Nice. But if, and if you do the math, it's just a hair over, like, three beers, so, you know, it's not... It's definitely, like, low-level stuff for me. We're working with low numbers here. It's a weekday. Mm-hmm. So,
0: last time we left off, before we talked about Demons... We were talking about Matthew chapter 12, where right before that, in chapter 11, we ended with this phrase where Jesus says, my yoke is easy. And we talked about the idea of the yoke being either the Torah, that is the first five books of the Old Testament, the thou shouts and shalt nots. And so he is saying, that is one way of living life, and I am bringing a whole different separate way of life that is different from the Jewish law. Another understanding is that the yoke is actually the teaching uh, of how to do those laws. So he is saying that I'm going to interpret the 613 Jewish laws in a way that is easier and more understandable. Those are two different ways of doing it. And people are like, oh, well, can you have a both and? Not really. It, either you're going to throw it all away or you're going to reinterpret it. You can't throw it away and reinterpret what you just threw away. So, Wait a minute, there's
1: only 10 though. That, so the top 10? yeah. If you want to be real, there's only 10 that us good Christian white folks have to follow.
0: Even that, we're like, I don't know about that. because like, The 10th one i know it's like the lowest one the 10th one is do not covet but that's the entire industry of marketing and you can't tell me like some church isn't sitting there being like have you ever felt like your life wasn't good enough
1: yeah i do want a better life come to our church (laughs) i don't know dude that's funny because thanks to your fucking ass i can't even tell you the original like or the original sorry i can't even tell you the popular 10 commandments or like the 10 commandments that like we adore here in america But I could tell you like some obscure bullshit out of the six or not as obscure, but I could tell you some obscure like 613 shit. I'm getting even getting even worse because I've been lately uh, I've been working nights for
0: anybody that doesn't know this. And I don't know what to do with my time. So I'm reading the Mishnah. Which is the rabbinic commentary on the Torah. <laughs> so I'm getting even more You're obscure with this stuff. No, it's like, uh, it's fascinating. All right, so your favorite law from Leviticus, by the way, we're way off already. We haven't even started the lesson, but it's hopefully fine. you guys are enjoying this. One of Chris's favorite laws is about the sacrifices that have to be made if a man has an STD. That's true. So I was reading up on this, and there are two actually, doves, right, or is it two pigeons? I can't. I think it might be two pigeons. I don't know. I have to double check on that one. It's it's been a while. I don't want more people emailing me being like, "You were way wrong." <laughs> like, like I do want that, but if I can just say, "I don't know," it, I think we're all safer. So it's in Leviticus. Is it fifteen? I think. I think it's Leviticus fifteen sixteen. It's somewhere around there because seventeen is the Levitical chapter in blood. But it talks about the sexuality. It's all the, all the things about sexuality that make you impure. And in that section, it talks about the specific sacrifice that a man is to make if he has an unusual discharge and all oh, doves talks-
1: or pigeons oh you found it i did some quick like fire off and uh, yeah doves or pigeons okay you gotta have two of them though you got to have a pair there they're, yeah
0: which i think is also the same sacrifice that you can make if you're uh poor and can't afford like one of the larger sacrifices so that's a little confusing but i guess like if you see a rich guy holding two doves you're like <laughs> a guy standing mm. there
1: he's like people are looking he's like i'm just poor i'm just poor <laughs> the guy in front of me that asshole though <laughs> judge him I've seen what kind of camel
0: you ride. I'm imagining, again, like, instead of salmon-colored sh- shorts, it's like a salmon-colored tunic the guy's got on. Like, mm, come on, man. But they, they talk about how inspection for men and women is different because for women, it's actually very normal for them to menstruate, and that's also in that same chapter where it talks about what women are to do and how they're unclean, which is actually different. So if you're thinking, oh, a man with an unusual, unusual discharge is equally as unclean as a woman that's menstruating, no, not necessarily. And it's a little bit different. And that because for a man to have an unusual discharge, it's unusual. Therefore, it has a different manner of inspection or or maybe a different focus on it. Where a woman, it's like, oh, she's menstruating. Well, that happens every month. No big deal. On the other hand, this pervert over here got gonorrhea, and we don't have any of the fun temples here.
1: <laughs> That's a good point. All right, so back you to this thing. You know we're going to have to do Leviticus at some point now, right?
0: You're the one who said, I feel like you need to read Leviticus to understand Matthew, which I actually agree with. I think that probably would have been the better way to do it. But <laughs> you made me sound here,
1: really smart right there.
0: I try not to let it get out. Anyways, the yoke that Jesus is talking about is either... The entirety of the Old Testament and all those Leviticus and all the crazy laws, or it is how to do those things. So one would say we don't have to do the gonorrhea inspection anymore, or the other one is Jesus is going to tell us exactly how to do the gonorrhea inspection, but to the Lord. That one. That's the one. So we've got two different options here. And then we went into Jesus and his disciples picking grain on the Sabbath. And we talked about that idea, about whether he was... Life um, hacks
1: by Jesus.
0: Right. Life hacks. Check that out. And then we end with this phrase, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now, does that mean that Jesus is positionally I am Jesus, therefore I I, I win. Anything I say wins over anything of the Torah. That is one option. And you can work with that. And there's some great evidence about why there's that one there's another idea that Jesus is reinterpreting the Sabbath laws, or rather giving his interpretation of the laws that already exist in contrast to the current rabbinic understanding of that time period, of how the Sabbath should be kept. And the reason I want to talk about where we ended is because Matthew has two stories about work on the Sabbath. The first one was the picking green. Tonight we're getting into the healing on the Sabbath. So nested right in the middle is almost that, that topic sentence, that Matthew is trying to put here. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. We want to make sure that that is in our mind, just like we led into it with the last story. Now we're coming away from that into this story tonight. And that's going to bring us into uh, Matthew chapter 12,
1: and we're starting in verse 9. Let's do it. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there, looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. They asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Looking for a reason, he's a man with a shriveled hand was there trying to start some shit. Does it say like the man was trying to start some stuff or was it the Pharisees? Or do we it know? It might have been. that. Okay, hold on. Let me get going on from that place. He went into their synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Oh, yeah. Okay, period. Looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, they asked him. Okay, so yeah, you got to have the pretext there. Like he's, he's still the priests are fucking with him here. So it's okay. not shriveled hand, man. It's the priests that are... Like what you gonna do now, Jesus? We got you between a synagogue and a fucking hard place. Uh, yes, yes. And so uh, the Sabbath and a hard place. (laughs) That's brilliant. (laughs) So departing. Can you have sex on the Sabbath? Yes, yes. It's
0: actually called the double blessing.
1: Oh, rabbis. Nice. Holler um, back. Of course a man would say that. If you are... Ch- I was just thinking, the Sabbath in a hard place, and then I just thought, like, Sundays, like, when you're hanging out, Sunday, fun day, and then, uh, anyway. No, no, that that is rabbinic. They actually encourage... I was about to say fornication. That is not
0: at copulation. <laughs> Where did I come from that I'm like, 1964 vocabulary, copulation? <laughs> anyway. Also,
1: quickly, uh, Sabbath yep. is Saturday, right?
0: Yes, Jewish days go sunset to yeah. sunset because it says in Genesis chapter 1 and or 2, I can't remember. Again, Like I, now I'm super worried about saying anything wrong here, but it, it says in, in Genesis... Aha, Don't be worried, our up.
1: fans love us. And our not fans will love us, so everyone loves us. We'll win you over with our charm
0: or ridiculousness. So it says in Genesis... Evening, morning, the first day. So because it says evening morning, that's why the Jewish people count from evening to evening. So this would be Friday night at sunset all the way until Saturday at sunset. That's like the funnest time of the week. It's like party time. Yeah, and the rabbis had said if there was a day to have sex, it's Sabbath. That is the recommended day. Nice. The only Sabbath they tell you not to do it, and it's still called the Sabbath, is Yom Kippur, which coincidentally started tonight while we're recording. Ah. Yom Kippur is... Sunset to sunset for one day, no food, no water, nothing, no sex. Just that was it. Mm. The high priest. So there was concern about the the high priest would have to get ready to do this big holy sacrifice the next morning. And they uh, one of the concerns was that the priest might fall asleep and then have a nocturnal emission. So they would actually keep him up all night, but not like up, up, you know, like just awake up. (laughs) And. They would keep him up so he he wouldn't uh he wouldn't ejaculate so that way he could still be pure for the next morning.
1: Ah, they're so extra, those priests.
0: I might have to cut that out
1: because this is way off topic. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting though. Yeah, God, yeah. we could we could go down rabbit holes with Leviticus. Yeah. All right. Anyway. All right. So
0: departing from there is like going from the field. So even though in Mark and Luke this story doesn't happen on the same day, remember Matthew just puts everything together whenever it's convenient. He does things by themes, and so he's got two stories that have to do with arguing or disagreeing with the concurrent authorities on how the Sabbath should be done. So he puts these two together, and right in the middle is that whole phrase of the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Where did this happen? Capernaum, Jerusalem? I don't know. It's a good question. When it says withered or paralyzed, Mark's account, which is a different gospel, says that his hand was dried up, and the right hand is pretty useful in that time period. It might be important in Semitic cultures. There might even be a moral significance attached to it. There was one scholar that put in his footnotes, and I'm the guy that reads the footnotes a lot of times. It's like, wait, maybe there's something fascinating here. He points out that in 1 Kings 13.4, there's a guy who points at this prophet's like, you know, go seize the prophet, the king does, and the prophet does it like a magic trick is like your hand freezes up. And so that was also this guy's right hand. Maybe it's a moral issue of like, this guy was a sinner or something like that. Maybe be attached to it i don't know is it actually unlawful to heal on the sabbath and now we're gonna to get to a whole bunch of rabbinic stuff because that's what you guys come from come for come from <laughs> i don't know where you come from that's what you guys come for this is from uh, midrash rabbah ecclesiastes 96 this is written between 300 and 500 a.d Abba Tekna, the pious entering his city on the Sabbath eve at dusk with a bundle uh, bundle slung over his shoulder of like sticks that he was taking in uh when he met uh, maybe it was bundle sticks, maybe it was just a bundle anyways he met a man afflicted with boils lying on at the crossroad. The latter said to him, Rabbi like I like how they they specify the man that's laying down like <laughs> <laughs> like he know, wasn't doing anything." Become- <laughs> but he decided to holler at a rabbi rabbi do me an act of charity and carry me into the city he remarked if i abandon my, my bundle this is the rabbi from where shall i my household support ourselves so he's taking stuff to his house but if i abandon the afflicted person i will forfeit my life What did he do? He allowed the good inclination to master the evil inclination. Like, that evil inclination is probably more like what you were raised with with the demon thing. Mm -hmm. Something's telling you, do the bad thing, do the bad thing. So, I'd have told
1: that motherfucker to hold the bundle, and then I'd have thrown him over my back and, like, you carry this, I'll carry you. We'll get into this.
0: That sounds like a better plan than this guy. Maybe this guy just isn't as strong as you. You got those mountain biking legs. (laughs) He allowed the good inclination to master the evil inclination and carried the afflicted into the city. He then returned for his bundle and entered at sunset. Everybody was astonished and exclaimed, is this Abba Techna the pious? He, too, felt uneasy in his heart and said, do you think that I perhaps desecrated the Sabbath? At that time, the Holy One, blessed be he, that's God. Caused the sun to shine as it is written But unto you that fear my name Shall the sun of righteousness arise Malachi 3.20 So like whenever you do stuff like that Like in, in rabbinic you want to be like God did this and here's the verse to prove that he does it You know like you can't just be like And then God did something amazing And then like God doesn't do that Like they, they had to throw in these verses to, to assure that this is the way God acts so, basically, he, he had an opportunity to take the stuff that he was carrying or carry this man. He goes and helps the sick. And then when he comes in, he's right there at sunset. And people are like, oh, my gosh, he's breaking the Sabbath. He's carrying in stuff that he's not supposed to. Then God just makes the sun shine. And so he, he does like He made you know, it. He moves yeah. the goalpost
1: a little bit further.
0: He's like, don't start any shit. He made it. Here you go. Now, I understand this is 300 to 500 years after Jesus, but this is kind of a cool, like, this is within the Jewish culture, but let's get a little bit closer. We're going to go to some missionist.
1: What if he had instead of the other side, like instead of making the sunshine a little, like a little bit longer, like opening or bring the sun back up a little bit? What if he had just like snapped all this motherfuckers' necks with lightning bolts that saw him and then like let him go into the city and be like, "Hey, I'm here," <laughs> like you know, just killed the witnesses instead of like he went like old school, getting out of Egypt. You didn't fucking listen to my ass on him. I feel like I'd want the witnesses to be like, wow, God is amazing. He did this amazing thing for this righteous person. (laughs) Oh, yep, that's true. Yep, that's right. If you're running the ant farm, you want a little praise from the ants. So it's not a vengeful God. It's just like a very insecure God that really (laughs) needs people's (laughs) Now we're going to get hit with the lightning bolts.
0: Uh, We've been working on it for years. Yeah. Like the suspension of Sabbath laws for the sake of the sick was actually something that was not universally held by the the sages so at that time remember not everybody agrees how this should be done rabbi uh matiah ben harash says he who has a pain in his throat uh they drop medicine into his mouth on the sabbath because it is a matter of doubt to as to a danger of life and any matter of doubt uh, to a danger to the life overrides the prohibition of the sabbath this is uh, mishnah yoma eight six so that is okay We don't know whether or not you're going to die so we can give you medicine. If we know that you're going to be fine, you're not going to die, we're not giving you the medicine. That would be his take. Hmm. Okay, so also, obviously, any if a sickness did not uh, present a, a danger to life, one was to wait until the end of the Sabbath before attending to it. All right, so they do not eat the Greek hyssop on the Sabbath. This is, uh, this is Mishnah Shabbat 14.3, so this is a writing specifically on the Sabbath on how to do it, and these are roughly 200 years after the time of Jesus. It's written in the third century here. They do not eat Greek hyssop on the Sabbath because it is not a food for healthy people, but eats pennyroyal or drinks not grass water, all sorts of foods, if a... A person eats which serve for healing and all such drinks he may drink except for the palm tree water, which is a purgative water or a cup that makes you throw up um, or a uh, or throw up or maybe diarrhea. But anyways, the point is like it's going You use it specifically for getting rid of something in your stomach or a cup of root water because they are solely for jaundice. But one may drink palm tree water to quench his thirst and one anoints with root oil if it is not for healing. So, this reminds me of like, okay, there's certain things that are specifically, you don't take cold medicine because you think it's fun or unless you're trying to robo-trip. Mm. The, the, like, that's the only reason I can think of like you're trying to take that. Yeah. But my sister and I, like we didn't really ginger ale growing up. So, I think for her, in her mind, ginger ale is airplane drink or it's sick drink. Because it's the only times that she ever had ginger ale. In her mind, like those are the, the times. So, in the same way. Is ginger ale only specifically for healing? Well, no, you can still drink it. So then in that case, it's okay to have that because you're not trying to do anything on the Sabbath. Does that make sense? It like, does, yeah. yeah. If you normally drink something and you happen to also drink it when you're sick, that's okay. But unless you're sick, so if you got a tummy you can't have ginger ale because you're trying to heal it, that's another example of this difference. Okay, I think I've got one more story on this one, okay?
1: For me growing um, up, ginger ale yeah. was always... It was a sick drink, too. Like, you only had it around when you were sick. And then when I moved into, like, the college age, it was a mixer with, like, whiskey or, like, some bourbon. And then I grew into an adult and realized that, like, I was being a dumbass and the only way you drink bourbon and whiskey is neat. So then ginger ale was fucking out again.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so, so this would be, like, if you wanted to visit your college days and use it as a mixer again, that would be okay. But drinking because you're sick is wrong – so I don't know. I, I feels like, I feel like the rabbis agree with your your newest your newest stance is the best. Like ginger ale when you when you're um, when you're sick and neat when you're just trying to get messed up. Yeah, we're not messed up, but enjoy it. So you you would be completely like a rabbi would look at you and be like, "That's a good man. He's got it figured out." <laughs>
1: Finally, somebody sees me for who I am.
0: I just I just like the fact that I can usually find some sort of reason why the rabbis agree with your lifestyle.
1: <laughs> I need to meet some rabbis.
0: All right, moving on to this last section. This is also from Mish- Mishnah Shabbat. So here's another, same book, same section, again, 200 years after, after Jesus. And I, I understand we might be like, well, how do we know what was going on at the time of Jesus? Usually these stories and these sections are trying to be attributed back to people around the time of Jesus. Also, since they weren't writing these down until much later, around the time of Jesus, this was all being discussed and talked about. Uh, and the rabbis did not want to write it down. They wanted to pass it down through discussion of people. And we we might sit here and say, well, then how do we trust it? Well, imagine if the only bachelor's degree in America was only for Bible or like only for one thing, but they didn't, they didn't have you write any of it down, but you spent four years studying it. You're going to have a very good grasp of it. So I, I don't want to discount it because it wasn't copied down by hand. And we have examples of this that. It doesn't mean that it didn't pertain to things or that it wasn't being discussed or that it wasn't well known just to to clarify all that kind of stuff. So this Mishnah, yes, it's 200 years afterwards, but I would rather trust somebody in America today writing about the Civil War that spent eight years studying the Civil War than I would somebody from Indonesia who is trying to look into what uh, what happened during the Civil War without any reference point. Hmm. That's why I tend to turn to the Mishnah in a lot of these podcasts. Does that mean like this is absolutely 100% exactly what they believed at the time of Jesus? No. and Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's the closest thing we have. It's the most likely. And the Bible have- is
1: black and white. There is no room for fucking uh, interpretation.
0: Yes. <laughs> that is. That's, that's exactly what we've been saying on Beer and Bible this entire time. Thank you, everybody. So Mishnah Shabbat, 22.6, this is the last section here for on, on healing on the sick. They anoint and massage the stomach, but they do not have it kneaded or scraped. They do not go into a muddy wrestling ground, and they do not induce vomiting, and they do not straighten the limb of the child or set a broken limb. He whose hand or foot was dislocated should not pour cold water over them, but he washes in the usual way, and if he is healed, he is healed. So this is like the whole thing of like, don't heal anybody, But if they happen to get healed by accident through, like, natural washing, that's not us. If it's a matter of life and death, get it healed. If it's a matter of just stopping the bleeding, stop it. But you don't necessarily have to sew it up kind of thing right now. Just just make sure that they survive. However, if they go through, like, the normal stuff where it's like, oh, time to go eat our Shabbat meal. Go wash your hands. And they wash their hands like, I got healed while I was washing my hands. Like, it wasn't on purpose, guys, I swear. I wasn't trying to heal myself. It just happened. In which case, then they were like, oh. Well, we can't really stop it. I mean, as long as they weren't intending to get healed, not our fault. (laughs) Mm. So I think we've we've really spent a lot of time tonight, just even on these two verses, trying to set the scene and the the scenario of what's going on. What does it mean to be healed? So this guy's got a withered hand and they're trying to catch Jesus, yet it wasn't fully understood at the time. But maybe we can get a better idea of what they were thinking or what other people were discussing at that time of this story. (gasps) (laughs) You did good.
1: All right. You did good. That was the speed run, too.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, let's go ahead and read 11 and 12.
1: He said to them, the rabbis, or the the priests, <clears throat> if any of you, Fa- huh? I would say phar- Pharisees. Pharisees, yeah. He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take of take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Good job, Jesus. That's a good, that's a good way to think about it. I'm obviously a fan of it. Hence why I'm a Christian, I guess. Or
0: I don't know if I could. I don't know. There are a couple of things I'm a Christian about and I'm not a fan of. Anyways, that's for another night. <laughs> so Jesus applies the Sabbath regulations in the confines of compassion. I really like that idea that there's somebody that said that Jesus' halaha, the way he lives out the law, is compassion. He just asks himself, what's the most compassionate way of living this out? So what man among you is surely no man among you. There's one scholar that says this is not like so much Jesus really thinking it out and really planning out concisely what he's going to say, but it might be more of a visceral response. So instead of saying other Matthew things, you have heard it said, or in our last section, have you not heard? Have you not read? Do you not know? He's doing the whole, do you even lift bro? But instead he opens up with what man among you? He sort of how could you idiots like how could any of you do this the fun fact is like it uh, would have broken the rabbinic rulings concerning the animals falling to the pit on the sabbath could you read deuteronomy 22 1 through 4
1: yeah the deuter let's see ha i got it all right so deuteronomy 22 1 through 4 if you see your brother's ox or sheep straying do not ignore it but be sure to take it back to him if the brother does not live near you or if you do not know who he is, take it home with you and keep it until he comes looking for it. Then give it back to him. Do the same if you find your brother's donkey or his cloak or anything he loses. Do not ignore it. If you see your brother's donkey or his ox fallen on the road, do not ignore it. Help him get it to its feet. Yeah, so this is very
0: compassionate towards the owner. One of the things I really like is that Jesus talks about, we talked about this in Matthew 5-7, through the Sermon on the Mount, where we talked about giving somebody a cloak, this idea of that's what you're going to wear for your comforter at night. like That's going to how you keep warm. And I like how Jesus is like, just make sure he gets it back, man. Yeah, like,
1: Take care of each other. And, and that's that's not even Jesus. This is Deuteronomy. This is the old, like, thou shalt, shall not. This is what they're basing all their stuff off of, is like Levitical and Deuteronomy stuff is like... The old laws. So he's like kind of pointing back to this idea of compassion and taking care of people by quoting this section. Yeah, you people are getting too rigid in this shit. Like, look back here and how it was supposed to be done. You're not even paying attention to the laws. You're like picking and choosing. They're doing the same shit that people have done for the past 2,000 years. With religion and using it to, like, make people fucking fall in line or do what they want them to do politically or, like, religiously. Yeah. Instead of being compassionate.
0: I love that he's citing this, and this might be in contrast to some of the teachings. So this is, again, Babli Shabbat 128b. I don't remember exactly when this was written, but I, I apologize. Here is a writing about what some rabbis were thinking, and it goes, If an animal falls into a dike, one brings pillows and bedding and places them under it. And if it ascends, it ascends. So animal stock, make it comfortable. If it happens to get out, it gets out. An objection is <laughs> well, right. I
1: that meant if it, if it ascends, like if it dies, it moves on to another plane, it dies. Just take it some pillows. <laughs> I would be so mad. Out like, here in the country, you don't take anything pillows. You just put a bullet in its fucking head. That is the way. You That's... help it ascend. Yeah. yeah. And then if it's the right type of animal, you eat it. That would be so frustrating if that was the deal, because like, animal gets caught in the ditch or something, You're like, okay, I gotta go
0: put this out of its misery, but because I can't slaughter on the Sabbath, because that's work, I can't eat it. You'd have to wait till the next day or wait till the evening. <laughs> Alright, anyways, getting off topic here. Back to this section here. If it ascends, it ascends. An objection is raised. If an animal falls into a dike, provisions are made for it where it lies so that it will not perish. Thus, only provisions, but not the pillows and bedding. There is no difficulty. Here, it means where provisions are possible, there where provisions are impossible. If Provisions are possible, well and good, but if not, one brings pillows and bedding and places it under the... But he robs a utensil of its readiness for use. The avoidance of suffering of dumb animals is a biblical law. So the biblical law comes comes and supersedes that of the rabbis. So we're looking at Deuteronomy 22. Take care of the animal if it falls in a well. Let your neighbor know, blah, blah, blah. So the, the question is, do I need to actually help it out? And this sect, Bavli Shabbat, would tell us, don't. Don't help it out. Just keep it there. And so Jesus is sort of saying, how many of you would not do that? It might have been at that time that people were helping the animals. Out. That might have been a normal thing to do. For the last section we talked about the Sabbath, how many examples of people healing, helping, doing things in that moment that... Need to be attended immediately, whether it's giving birth, circumcision, helping somebody stop a bleeding. Like these are things that have to be attended immediately. I don't think you could get away with not milking your cow for a twenty-four hour period. I haven't actually looked into that. How they do that. The point is that that there are situations where you will need to go and help an animal, and Jesus is pointing towards that. This is Mishnah Shabbat eighteen three. You are to help an animal give birth on the Sabbath. So you would do that, and except the Qumran society, those are the Dead Sea Scrolls, actually have a section where they disagree with that, that you should not help an animal give birth on the Sabbath. So I don't know how I feel about that one. Actually, I know exactly how I feel about that. So then there's one guy who's a Greek scholar who says that the idea of to do good on the Sabbath is to act well or appropriately on the Sabbath. So Jesus is saying, should not we, we act appropriately on the Sabbath, which I think really fits really well with the story.
1: And do you mind reading 13 through 14? I do. I would love to. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. This son of a bitch! He healed this man's hand. This guy's whole life has been fucked up, and people have been making fun of his little gimp hand, and now Jesus heals him? This son of a bitch, we're going to kill him. That's what we're going to do. We're going to kill him for healing people, and helping all these people and, like, doing all this fucking hippie bullshit and trying to usurp our authority. No, read it again, though. It says, the man <laughs> stretched out his hand and it was healed. It doesn't say Jesus healed it. Oh, yeah. It says, like, Jesus is doing this, like, weird finger thing behind his head. He's like, and little sparkles come out. <laughs> I love this because, like, he. So apparently you just have to be near him and you, you just have to be in the bubble. My, my favorite part about this, they're like, you
0: can't heal in the zap. He's like, fine, I won't. But he will be healed. He doesn't touch the guy who's being who who is
1: healed. So Jesus technically doesn't break their traditions. He's like, it wasn't me. It was this guy Peter that's hanging out with me, huh? No, it wasn't. And Jesus says it three times and then winks at him. He's like, yeah. <laughs> so that's one of the most Bible jokes I've ever heard. You say <laughs> <laughs> I've been drinking. Chris, we, is, we don't need to explain that. If okay, they, if they get it, they get it. If they don't, keep listening. <laughs>
0: Well done. Good foreshadowing there. All right. (laughs) So Matthew drops out the Herodians and some of the other stories like that. You've got the Herodians as well. And those are the ones that would be have been following Herod at the time a little more closely to the Sadducees. They would be more of doing what they can to politically align themselves with Herod, not with the opposition, which would be Jesus. Yeah who would have been like seen as the rebel and things like that. So we would have seen him. So they're not necessarily Pharisees or Sadducees. They're just supporters. So he drops that out that I think Mark has the Herodians in the story as well. So this is just a discrepancy between the two texts. Let's go and read verses 15
1: through 16. Let's do it. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. Many followed him and healed all... Th- uh, uh, beer burp. All right, let me start over. <laughs> Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. Many followed him, and he healed all their sick, warning them not to tell who he was. Once again, <laughs> we have
0: the introduction. Oh, you got some thoughts
1: on this? That is just funny. Don't you dare tell anyone who I am, like. Which he's been doing this the whole time. He's like, with the blind dude, he's like, go forth, and don't tell anybody about this shit. Yeah. And of course, In he goes and tells everyone. Jesus is like dad, damn it. Like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, this is called the messianic
0: secret uh, in the Christian world. We talk about this, that like, what what's going on? Like, why why is this happening? So it might be the Matthew Jesus does not want to self-publicize. He doesn't want to be the, like, have the best PR. So they're sort of fighting against that. There's also some people that say like, well, Jesus doesn't want a political crown. If they start finding out that he can heal like this and, and is sort of throwing the Pharisee tradition off kilter... I'm trying to think of examples of this. Okay, I can think of two examples of the 2016 election. I know you guys are going to hate this, but bear with me for a second. Donald Trump, some guy out of the middle of nowhere, out of New York City, is like, I'm going to run for president. And everybody's like, no, you're you're not going to be president. And he continues to steamroll the Republican Party because they don't know what's going on. (laughs) There's something called the Trump train, and it takes them over. Meanwhile... Uh, there's some guy out of Vermont who's an independent that jumps on the Democratic ticket, and he's sitting there, and he's like, I'm going to use social media and young people to promote these ideas, even though I'm the oldest guy ever. And he just starts winning like over with no budget, no campaign, no sort of like political dynasty or anything other than just him being an awesome guy for however many years. You can hear how I feel about Bernie Sanders. so. <laughs> The the point is that you get these two, these candidates that came into the political parties and sort of shook things up. And the things that were considered radical by Bernie Sanders in 2016 are pretty similar to what the current uh, Democratic Party in 2022 leans towards or wants to get towards. They're no longer that's crazy. They're more like we would like to achieve this, this sort of crazy. And um, and you have to <laughs> like...
1: That's that, a great way much, to explain it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when we look at this about Jesus coming through and he starts bringing up like they say okay you can't heal on the sabbath and jesus is like
1: i didn't heal on the sabbath but he happens to be healed i'm now I'm imagining jesus as david blaine <laughs> oh, i hand. was watching david blaine last night and he still is the fucking devil he's the devil i don't like this because in the next section i think we're gonna get into jesus being called the devil himself oh, so i well, feel like
0: i'm already accidentally going i can't i just
1: can't think of anything any other way to explain it man he's handsome he's seductive he's got good card tricks it sounds like jesus because jesus heals people there's a very fine line between Jesus and the devil. Yes. Apparently. <laughs> with their seductive personalities.
0: So Jesus is trying to seduce them with health care. And I, again, the, the David Blaine thing for me is, you can't heal on the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, pull out his hand. Pull out his other hand. What? It's healed. <laughs> like,
1: that's how I imagine this going down. He starts down. punching all the Pharisees in the face. Two healthy hands, motherfuckers. I can come into the temple now. Maybe not the best
0: idea, but we can understand why Jesus might become a political issue for them and why he might avoid it. There are some other examples. Reed, a scholar named Reed, thinks that he never knew that he was God or the Messiah. So, which I like the idea of like him coming back, being surprised himself, like, I came back! (laughs) (laughs) What? What? So uh, there's that, that that idea, or some people say that you know he didn't really come back, but people made him into a messiah. So the reason he's telling people don't tell everybody I'm the
1: messiah, don't tell anybody about this because he doesn't believe it himself. He doesn't know it. <laughs> it's just everybody else gassing him up like, no nah, man, you got this like a fighter, yeah. and he's got like his group in the side. He's like, they're like, no nah, man, this is you, this is you. Throw the punch like you got it, you got it. He's like, no, nah, I don't think, I don't think so. And he, it's like, no, nah, look how she keeps working out, dude. Just go for it. Just throw fuck, throw a right hook into that dude's face, like. <laughs> He's like, you know what? Fuck these Pharisees and Sadducees. You're right. You're right. Yeah, I I am the Messiah. Am I? No, I know. Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think I am. That is a fantastic way. That's exactly how
0: how to think of this. So there's that option. Uh, Another people are thinking like the political timing of it all because you know Jesus still has some teaching to do, some other things to do. He's got to offend a couple more people, but eventually it will culminate into his death. He will be killed. I was going to say by the Romans, but it's sort of like by on account of the, by request of the Jews. And Mel Gibson. And Mel Gibson, right, right. I I forgot that Jesus is, yeah, okay. Mel Gibson made sure to kill him 2,000 years later. Yes. Then there's also the Hebraic standpoint, and this is the idea that he has to accomplish all the things that he claims to be the Messiah. So if he says, I'm the Messiah, and then... Then they're like, uh, you haven't done Messiah-type crap. Then he's like, oh, shoot, then that doesn't matter. So the Matthean Jesus has to accomplish, or I guess the, the real Jesus, the, the historical Jesus, has to do more things so that he can be the Messiah. It can't be like, you can't do like half, or you can't do like 10% of the Messiah stuff and be like, I'm the Messiah. You have to do more than 10%. You know, I don't know what the actual number is, but you have to continue doing some more Messiah stuff for the Jewish people to recognize you as said
1: Messiah, that would be that section. You have not achieved 100% on the game yet.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. He's got a couple more side quests to get through. <laughs> level up. All right. And let's go ahead and wrap this up with verses 17 through
1: 21. All right. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here's my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him. Uh, let's see and he will proclaim justice to the nations he will not quarrel or cry out no one will hear his voice in the streets a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he leads justice to victory in his name the nations will put their hope so this is sort of like a partial
0: almost quote of a passage in isaiah 42 1 through 4 so if you don't mind reading that we're going to look at some not major differences but we're going to talk about the differences
1: 22 1 through 4 oh wait no i'm sorry my markers were jacked up and by jacked i mean they were fucked up isaiah 42 1 through 4 got it got it got it here's my servant whom i uphold my chosen one in whom i delight i will put my spirit on him And he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. And smoldering wick he will not snuff out. I just read this shit. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his law the islands will put their hope. Yeah, so it's very similar. So clearly,
0: Matthew is trying to quote Isaiah 42 because he's putting in a signpost. Of, remember, he's he's been like, it reminds us of this verse and this verse. So he's trying to build this case for Jesus being the Jewish Messiah. If you have a Jewish Messiah, he needs to do messianic stuff. So he's trying to pull verses from the Old Testament to say, this is the guy that they were talking about back then. However, this is not exactly the same. Actually, it doesn't match either the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament that they had at the time, or... The Hebrew translation of the Old Testament, so it's sort of his own one, so some people are wondering well, maybe that he is making his own translation into Greek that he he knows Greek pretty well so he's making his own translation or is he taking it from an Aramaic like the Targum where he's making his own so either one works he definitely uses the word when he talks about my servant he changes it and uses piss, which is the little boy servant thing we've used before so which is a little he uses weird piss piss uh p a i piss think oh, like okay. uh the eh sound but not like a but eh uh, I like gotcha. pen like instead of pin like a, uh, well I'm going to do right with that pen when you're really trying to pronounce that exactly right pen pes. pess pass so, pess yeah so that's his uh his servant which is a little weird cuz you know you get to the whole like uh like is that his is that God saying this is my child is this my servant is this my little boy servant which is really uncomfortable to start putting that into the God
1: Jesus relationship I mean with my son I just I put a lot of labels on him what? Like, what do we have? You just—I I don't know. Just, I'm, I'm like, boy, I'm like, turd. Uh, lots of names. Okay, we're we're <laughs> bros, but sometimes we we fuck with each other a little. Good, good. Like, go get me a beer, you little turd. And quit talking about it. And now, yeah, you can have your candy too. Okay, there you go. Okay, yeah. I also like how you're training him, just like a dog. Like <laughs> you do this for me, now you get this. Well, now he's starting to fight me, and he's and he's getting smart, smart ass, and smart. And I love it. I love every part of it. That's awesome.
0: Okay. My servant or my boy, or my child. I need to maybe do some more research to this, but I feel like when we talk about children in this world, this pest is like a class of children versus. Tekna, which would be like my, ch- my children that are like the fruit of my loins sort of children, that there is a, a difference, which is why I think you can use the idea of a child as a, you can use this this phrase for a child, for a servant. My pest is my servant, not necessarily my actual biological child, whereas the Tekna is my actual biological child. So here we have this use, maybe what Matthew's trying to do is he's trying to take this idea that's in the Hebrew of my servant, and he's trying to bring it a little bit closer by using a word for, for child. So
1: there are Which some piss. It sounds like piss. That's it, does. it does. It does. <laughs> it's it's like you're my piss. <laughs> now go and do it, I told you. Sorry, this is just drunk boy. I've had I've had the tall boys at the end of the episode. I apologize. No, we're good, we're good. All right, so uh, almost done
0: here. We have the Apangelia, which is to announce or to proclaim. This is neither in the Masoretic text or the Septuagint. This might be the Targum. So this when he starts saying, oh, he's here to announce, he's here to proclaim, this is Matthew adding his own take on it, which is interesting. If I was to quote somebody and then was to misquote them, I wouldn't be like, and like this is absolutely what they meant by it. That would be incorrect. So you you sort of have a little bit of that when they're writing stuff, and they will quote somebody, and then add those little brackets for clarification. So maybe it's a little bit like that. Matthew's trying to clarify some things, but he's sort of taking liberties with his own translation. This verse over this section where he's trying to point or connect his idea of Jesus being the Messiah to the Old Testament to prove that he's the Messiah, again, he's trying to build an argument here. He drops it after two activities on the Sabbath, and now he's going to get into two accusations of the Pharisees. That's it for tonight. So hopefully you kind of get this this idea of more information on what it means to be healing on the Sabbath, what was going on at that time, the discussions, and what Jesus is doing. The one I th- think is the most fascinating part for me in reading this section is how Jesus doesn't heal him. The guy is healed. It doesn't. It, the Matthew and Jesus doesn't actually touch him.
1: Which hmm. I I love it. Like I like it. It's saucy. He's like I didn't touch him. Like <laughs> what's up, dude? <laughs> like you can't look at me with those salty ass. I don't always like the whole letter of the law versus the intention of the law, and we all deal with that. You know, the the letter
0: of the law is don't speed, but then you're like, I got to get to the hospital. I'm going to speed, and nobody would fault you for it because the intention, you know, not to do this on a normal basis. You know that it's about safety and making sure that people stay alive. If you have somebody that's in that needs to get to the hospital as soon as possible, if the intention is to save lives, so that's why you don't speed or you do speed the letter of the law of setting a speed limit isn't as important as the intention of saving lives in that moment. And I feel like that's what Jesus sort of plays it out on them is that the intention here is we need to make people's lives better. The Sabbath should be, as the rabbi say, it should be one sixtieth of the experience in heaven. So if heaven's supposed to be eternally great and so wonderful, should we not do that here? Should we not yeah. heal this person? And I love how, Jesus also doesn't ignore the man. He makes the point, he makes the statement, and then he throws it back at the Pharisees, and they've got to work through this. And this is not painting all Pharisees. I really do not like the whole thing where we say, Jesus good, Pharisees bad. And I understand the Christian church generally does that, we, we do paint the the dichotomy between the two. There it's funny re- that
1: they like to do that because that's like any establishment. Like if you have any establishment that's trying to interpret something of like a religion, religion is the key thing where it's like religion has been manipulated for control. It's been used for different, like it, it, to control populace and all these things. But like the whole thing is like Jesus was you know he he was kind of like not breaking the rules but he was like this let's get back to the roots and yeah. it's like yeah a lot of christians and especially like again we can go back to the whole like 10 commands verse 613 you'll have a lot of people fight you on that and be like hey like that's uh well you know that's old religion shit and blah 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 and it's like well you know all these different sects all these different uh denominations kind of like play Not fast and loose, but they'll kind of, like, make their own, like, rules based off of that. And Jesus' whole thing was kind of, like, fuck the rules. How are you lifting up your brother? Like, how are you, like, bettering their lives and how are you loving them?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I... I feel like for me, and maybe maybe this is where something where you and I actually might break away from each other on this one. I don't know. I we're
1: you and I are having this conversation live, like quote live as we're <laughs> well, recording this, this. Is me, uh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, a, yeah. My I, my uh, talking f- about it is not the best. But, but, yeah. For me, it's like
0: it's like the both and. You know, it's yeah. Um, yes i'm gonna give this illustration i've given this i've said this at a youth group before uh if you remember the band the gin blossoms we're talking 1990s early on uh before their main songwriter got kicked out of the band and committed suicide i know this is a really sad moment but he wrote a song and he sings on their album new miserable experience it's uh it's called Cheatin'. that's the name of the song it's the last one it's a country western song You're like i thought that they were like a pop rock band from the 90s you were correct it's the one country song on there i don't even like country but i love this song because it illustrates, I think, a very interesting point. the The chorus is: "She was tall, hair dark as midnight, and she wore a ring just like you do. You can't call it cheating because she reminds me of you." Ah. Uh-huh. And and so here it is. This is where I say, like, he's following the intention, which is, "I love you and I missed you, so therefore I slept with this woman." But the letter of the law is to not cheat on your spouse. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, so I always feel like it's a both and. So it's like, how do I love my spouse the best way in this moment? And the answer is not cheating. That would be the, the correct answer here, the best way to love this person. And so I, I almost feel like that's what Jesus is doing here is he's saying, what's the best way to live out this Sabbath thing? And yeah. h- how do we do it? He's not saying the Sabbath doesn't matter. In fact, we haven't, we, we haven't talked about it in this podcast, but we've talked about it in the past. There aren't many rules on the Sabbath. There are direct rules. Uh, you're not supposed to kindle a flame. It talks about keeping it holy, and there are a few other things that are on there. And then the all of the uh, the 30, I think it's 38 or 39 stipulations that are created are r- rabbis reading between the lines to try and find out why you can't do certain habits. But God doesn't say no weaving, no plowing. No, like, Maybe he says no plowing, but he doesn't say like no weaving, no dyeing of threads. And I'm not saying go ahead, that Jesus is advocating that you go and do these things, but it also starts from a really well-intentioned place where these Pharisees and rabbis are trying to come up with, how do we help people worship God the best way we know how? And I think Jesus is coming in sort of correcting that. He's not going a- against the Torah, or he really is. And that we've talked about this before. Or is he, is he really trying to say, we've got to get away from the entire Torah. We've got to break away from that and find out how do we love God in this moment, on this day. And if it happens to be Saturday who cares? Who cares if it's on Saturday? We need to figure out how to do this. In which case that would make him a very interesting, what do you call Jesus? A a what starter? Shit starter. That's right. Yes.
1: In the best way.
0: (laughs) I think that there are, there's some sort of like a a both and it's not that like, yeah, no, that's, that's what I was trying to,
1: yeah, that's what I was trying to, in my stupidness, trying to uh, say is like, he's kind of like, going back to the roots of like you guys have turned this into something it's not like you've manipulated it into something that it's not which is like religion tends to do and like or no you know establishments tend to do is they take something and make it fit them where he's like or make or manipulate it to their thing he's like no we're going back to the roots like you guys have gotten you know you've gotten away from what it's supposed to be
0: the way you've talked about is kind of the way Isaiah sort of and some of the other prophets described the Messiah. Like he's going to get him back on the right page. Yeah. Hey everybody, thank you for listening. If you could do us a huge favor, we've been asking: follow us, find us, share us with your friends, like word of mouth. Like I mean, you can do it if you want to do social media, but you know, to tell people, hey, this is uh, a really weird mess that we'd love. I'd love it to hear. That'd be great. <laughs> It'd be
1: great act- going into the holidays too. Like you know, when you have to do that once a year, go to Chris- Christmas church or Easter church or whatever. Yeah, start listening. We can we can at least stir some shit with your family.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're we're here to make your relationship with your family more difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Something else that would really help us is any sort of reviews, anything you guys can give us. We'll, we'll take the one stars. At least we know that we suck. Yeah. But uh, if you guys can uh, make reviews or rank us on Spotify or iTunes or both, we would love that. Anything kind of helps us and helps people find us because when they search Beer and Bible, there are a couple of different options, and maybe it'll help us float to the top and uh, make it a little bit easier to find us. So link for the
1: mug and cross. Yes. At yeah. Beer and Bible show on instagram right yes yes you should be doing the plugs because I've, I've i've got had a few beers at the end of the episode so yeah uh <laughs> at beer and bible show the website was down for a little while it's back up we haven't done
0: anything new with it but it's really sort of a, a placeholder until we can get a little bit more traction and be able to do a little bit more that just depends on a couple things going on with our our lives we hope hopefully we'll in the future be able to do more with that and uh Everybody that that keeps following us, sharing us, talking to us, huge encouragement. Thank you so much for encouraging us, listening to us, and supporting us. Uh, Even just a listen to the latest episode is really cool to hear from all of you guys.
1: Yes, thank you so much. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Shalom. (laughs) Yeah, nice. (laughs)